It's a packed episode of the Unabated Podcast today as FTN Zach Graham joins me to hunt for value on teams in the NBA postseason, plus a little bit of MLS talk at the end of the show for you. It's a big episode. Let's get into it. It's the guy goes unabated. That's the new word, unabated. That's two bigger words. That's like mayonnaise. I'm assuming that's a bigger Hello, everyone, and welcome on into another episode of the Unabated Podcast. I'm Thomas Viola, and joining me today to help break down the NBA playoffs, which are officially here. We got playing games beginning tonight, so we won't talk too much about today's game since by the time you're listening to this, they're most likely over. But here today to break down the playoffs writ large, none other than Kawizenberg himself, Zach Graham from FTN. Zach, I am so thrilled to finally be having you on a show here. It has been far too long since we've been able to get together, my friend. Thomas, I appreciate you having me, man. Uh, obviously, the the discourse between you and I over the last month or so has been mostly focused on MLS, but we got our start together uh, talking NBA, so I'm excited to be talking hoops with you on the Unabated Pod. And my favorite thing about this pod and about our audience here is Quite frankly, if we decide at the end of this show, which I have a feeling we will, to get into a little bit of MLS talk, <laughs> they're going to stick around because it's all about finding edges and finding better ways to bet. So no one's going to be tuning out just because, oh, no more basketball, I'm out. I think we'll get a couple <laughs> people sticking around for that. I'm excited to talk more MLS in the future. But right now, let's get things started talking about this NBA slate that we've got going on here. Um, My first question for you has to be, Who's winning it all? Who is going to be taking home the Larry O'Brien at the end of all this? Look, I'm not going to, this is, this is no fun. This is no fun. No hot takes for me right now. I, I've got bucks over Suns in the finals. Um, my preseason pick was actually Clippers over bucks. Um, and man, if Paul George can come back in this first round series, like I would, I would probably just be like, Oh, I'm going to stick to my guns and just go Clippers over bucks. Um, but the fact that they drew the Suns, I I know it's only been like eight or nine games with Kevin Durant in that lineup, but and they haven't exactly played a murderer's row in those games, but they're undefeated. And Kevin Durant, whether it's Brooklyn or Phoenix this year, has been fantastic, even through the multiple injuries. So like right now, it's it's really tough for me to pick against them out west. But the Bucks over the last, I don't know, two and a half months, I think have just in in many important metrics have been the best team and like the most important metric best record in the league um and the fact that that team is seemingly 100% healthy coming into the first round everybody of course who's not in the play in gets a week off going into the tournament here so um it to me it's the bucks trophy to lose but uh, i think bucks suns rematch with kd involved now is the matchup that we as fans uh deserve and i, I hope we get it I oh, I hope so too. As a Sun sixteen to one ticket holder here, Ooh. yeah, I I picked them up preseason during the Kevin Dur original Kevin Durant news, and right, then right. promptly wrote off that ticket as oh well, <laughs> missed out on this one. And then when they got him at the trade deadline, all of a sudden back from the dead because that team looked absolutely listless for long periods this season. And all of a sudden, you're right, you hit the nail on the head. Even though KD has been injured. When he's been playing, they have yet to lose. I believe the stat is 8-0 right now. They come in as seven-point favorites, seven-and-a-half in some shots against the Clippers in game one. They're certainly very large favorites in the series price. I believe Circa has them all the way at minus 527 to win the series here. 
but does that mean that you do see some value here on the Clippers? The price is plus 381 at Circa right now. Do you think that maybe with Kevin Durant with the injuries, is he going to be able to stay healthy? Are, are they going to have an element of rust with the fact that he's only played eight games and now you're going up against much better competition here? Or is it still going to be too much? Is this team too talented? I think ultimately it's it's too much for the Clippers. And it, it's not just the Paul George injury for me. I believe the the kind of scuttlebutt today, I don't remember if it was Shams or Woj or, or who reported that Paul George now like looking maybe a little bit more optimistic to make an appearance in the first round. But can they stay above water uh, until he gets back? The Like Norman Powell coming back, it's a big help for their offense, especially. But like, I don't feel like the other pieces fit well enough or have been producing well enough. Like we see Marcus Morris, he was in the health and safety protocols for a while, but he's had a down season. And I think the rest of those guys, the kind of interchangeable small ball fours and fives that this team has really thrived with at times, I guess, over the last three seasons, right? This, this team has certainly underperformed what we expected would happen when they came together four years ago. Um, But like Nick Batum, Robert Covington, just, not really being serviceable at all for this team. To me, that's a big uh, knock on what they've been trying to do. And like, I can appreciate that you bring in somebody like Mason Plumley. I'm a Bones Highland fan, but he is a sieve at best on defense. And they, they're not hurting for offense on this team. So the Russell Westbrook addition was a big head scratcher to me. Not necessarily just adding him to the team, but throwing him right into that starting lineup. In my opinion, Terrence Mann is the guy that should be running the one when Kawhi and PG are out there. But with PG out, now you need Russell Westbrook. And I don't know, man, it's such a jumbled mess right now that, again, I I, I had to revise the pick as much as it pains me. I mean, you see my namesake, right? At Kawhisenberg DFS on Twitter. I want to pick these guys. I, I just can't, can't go against the Suns and how good they can be on paper compared to this Clippers team, which just they were okay to finish the season. Like the win over the Lakers without Paul George, I think was a good sign. But again, it's just, if they were matched up with any other team here in the first round, I think I would go with them. I just can't do it against the Suns with Kevin Durant. I texted you before the season began with my highly scientific uh, method (laughs) of weighing out this NBA season here. You see here in Las Vegas, you certainly do get your fair share of the NBA crews coming through here. And one night down at the Aria after the Canelo fight, I'm in the Aria high limit room, which is a great bar. If you're ever in Vegas, highly recommend taking a stop in there. And I'm looking around the room and I see this one guy and I go, he looks kind of like Tyron Lue. And then I put two and two together because I'm like, wait a second. No, that just is Tyron Lue. And that man was wearing a bedazzled Los Angeles Clippers man purse. And at that moment I said, nope, got to fade the Clippers this season. Can't be back in the man purse coach here. But hey, it's it's another factor, right? <laughs> it, it, it's something you have to keep in mind. It's what unabated users know is a pure signal uh, betting, betting, uh, pure signal betting edge there, the, the yeah. man first factor. But how about we talk about another team here? The storylines in this series might be the best storylines in the entire NBA right now. The Kings versus the Warriors. You have the reigning champs and, of course, the dynasty of the last decade in Golden State. Everybody's talking about how this window is certainly on its way to closing for them to keep winning because, let's face it, Steph Clay and Draymond are not getting any younger here. 
And they're going up now against their own former assistant coach on a Kings team that has been out in the desert for the last 20 years. Now my New York Jets hold the record for longest playoff drought, thanks to the Kings making this series. The Kings are plus 225, but they are the winners of the Pacific Division. They certainly surprised everybody this season. Can they keep that going against this Golden State Warriors team? I took the Kings at 80 to 1 a couple weeks ago on the sheer principle that I'm getting a at the time two or three seed at 80 to one. I had to take it, but it's certainly a long shot to come in. Is it a long shot for them to get out of this round with their plus 225 in the series? I wouldn't say a long shot, especially with the questionable nature of the availability for Andrew Wiggins, right? Like we know he's back with the team after the long uh, personal layoff there. And I'm glad that he was able to take that time away, right? And then deal with the family uh, health issues, I think it was, uh, that were going on there. And so I'm trying to pay attention, keep my ear to the ground for news on, is he going to be available for game one? What type of minutes are we going to see? Um, because if you get anywhere close to full run from Andrew Wiggins, I think it's just a little bit too much for this Kings team to handle, they can't stop anybody. They can also outscore most teams in the league. So like Andrew Wiggins is a, is a big piece for me. And again, I, I don't think I'm, I'm dropping any sort of hot takes there. Um, the Warriors road record is again, one of the biggest head scratchers, I think this season, 11 and 30 on the road. And the fact that they don't have, like you mentioned, the home court advantage in this series is like, my big question is, and maybe you can have some insight on this as well, is this the most important game one out of all eight first round series that we have? Because if you're the Sacramento Kings and the fan base, right, who are just going to be absolutely rabid throughout this series, as they have been all season. I mean, this is the longest playoff drought in professional sports here in the United States, and it's now over. These fans have been waiting since the early aughts for this opportunity if the Warriors come in there, especially without Andrew Wiggins and upset the King and upset, you know, in quotes, if they get a win there on the road in in the first game, I almost said week one talking about you know, looking on the soccer side of things. Um, I, I think that is extremely demoralizing that they have kept their head above that four seed. Like you said, they're in the three getting that home court advantage all season. They fought for it against all the odds. Nobody had this team as a top four team, much less like I think I had them on the outside of the play-in bubble when I was doing my yeah. preseason predictions. Like if the Warriors come in there and the road woes from the regular season are gone, the Kings have no shot. And I think that that game one is so important to them drawing this series out because if you even split these first two games and then you're going back to Chase Center, which like, you know, the Kings are probably going to be fairly well represented there, but the Warriors crowd, even in the newer building, has been raucous as well. And on the flip side, 33 and 8 at home are the Warriors this season. So I think that game one for me is going to be extremely telling. And absent that Andrew Wiggins news, if you want to take a shot on plus money, Sacramento Kings getting out of this first round, even just for the emotional side of it and cheering with the three seed who are underdogs, I get it. Um, but if I'm putting any money down on this series, it's just going to be with the Warriors and doing what they do when the calendar turns to April, right? If these guys, if they have everybody available, I know the window may be closing, but it's not closed yet. And I don't think it's the Sacramento Kings who are going to close the the, the window on a full strength 
Golden State Warriors team. I'm hoping here, as far as looking to invest in the Warriors, I'm hoping for a Sacramento Kings game one win. Yeah. I think if, if that can, if that happens, and preferably if they can win it by a decent bit, which I don't think so. It's it, The game <laughs> is the definition of a pick em. FanDuel has plus one on the Warriors. DraftKings has plus one on the Kings here. Yeah. But if the war if the Kings can get that first game, you're getting a little bit nicer of a price on the Warriors because I think the longer that this series goes on, like like you said, Andrew Wiggins coming back, the longer he's back, the more acclimated he gets, the better this Golden State team is going to look. I will say, I am interested to see how the home road splits go for the Warriors here because, like you said, we saw that night and day split with this team, and this series is going to be very unique in the aspect that. More Kings fans are probably going to be buying tickets for the Warriors side of things than they are for the Sacramento games because the Sacramento games, the prices are outrageous. And then when they <laughs> right. go down to the Bay Area, the prices are actually pretty reasonable. I I have a couple friends who are Sacramento fans who have already said, well, we're going to game one because it's the first game. Right. But then, yeah, game three and four will be down in the Bay Area because the tickets are just that much cheaper. We see a little purple and black in the Chase Center crowd there. That would be, I mean, just adding to the list of unexpected things coming out of this Sacramento season would be would be visible fandom in the Chase Center. It, it's been an incredible run for this team. I'm curious to see what's going to happen. But like you said, I think that the Warriors are probably going to be a good investment here later on if you want to take this price after game one. But you got to root for the Kings in game one just to yeah. get to just to get to a price where you start wanting to take the uh take the warriors here moving over to the eastern conference and we'll talk a little bit about some of these play-in teams because i'm going to be hopping back and forth here but i want to go to the next series up in the nets and the sixers uh this is by far on the odds the most lopsided series we have here minus a thousand on the sixers to win this series uh is there any hope for this nets team that is now uh kyrie less kd less but they still got ben simmons I, well, I mean, he's out for the year, so they don't have Ben Simmons. <laughs> but I, there is hope, Thomas. There is hope for this team in 2024. Like, we just, like, first of all, I, let me, and I'll, I'll flip it here, and I guess I'll be a bad guest for a second. Philadelphia lucked out that they got the three seed and they get to match up with Brooklyn instead of like they do not want to see or did not want to see, I would think, Miami in the first round compared to this Brooklyn team. But I'll, I'll get back to the Brooklyn side. I, I don't think they have much of a chance here in terms of the series. Now, winning one, two, maybe even three games, I guess I'm not shocked if that happens, but Nick Claxton had a fantastic season defensively. McCall Bridges has turned his game up to another level where it kind of makes me think like, and I said it at the time of the trade, I think Sean Marks wins that trade regardless, um, and the Suns have to win a title for them to also win that trade. I think it can be a, a mutually beneficial deal there because getting those four unprotected picks and then McCall Bridges, who what's the going rate for him if you're just trying to ship him off at the deadline? It's at least two firsts, so you're essentially getting like six first, maybe seven back for KD plus Cameron Johnson. So like, I love that move, but there's just like, and as, as good as Bridges has been, I'm excited to see where he goes from here. They don't have enough to get past this Philadelphia team unless, and I'll knock on some wood here, unless 
you know, James Harden's hamstring flares up or or Tyrese Maxey gets his foot sore or whatever hap- could happen there. I hope it doesn't because I want to see Philly advance past this first round because I think the second, potential second round matchups out east are going to be just some absolutely he- like heavyweight bouts, hopefully seven games. Um, so I, I don't have a lot of faith here. And of course, the betting markets don't either in the net. So I think that's more of a series that I would want to attack game by game rather than, you know, trying to pick Brooklyn to have a crazy upset here. And now that's, that's where I want to talk to you more about the Sixers here, because uh, as far as the heavyweights in the East, yes, you have the Bucks and the Celtics, but then after that, you are really kind of looking at Philadelphia and Hoopst and yeah. Philly's 13 to one right now to win the title over at, uh, over at Circa. Can they be that long shot team? They're kind of the team that sticks out to me in that mid pack tier of if somebody's going to do it, they probably have the best shot. Because I don't think that they'd have to play both the Celtics and the Bucks in a series, right? I mean, they could if, you know, you're probably going to meet the Celtics in the second round, right? And then the Bucks, if they come out of the top half of that bracket. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's just like, it's kind of just a health thing. Like they sat some guys near the end of the season. So that gap between them and the second seeded Celtics became three games by the time we reached the end of Sunday. But I don't think there's that big of a gap between them and those top two teams. Um, I actually think the gap is bigger between Milwaukee and those two than it is between Philly and Boston. So it's not like Boston's been the healthiest team this season either. Like I think Jalen Brown's been a little bit banged up. Marcus Smart has been banged up throughout the year. And obviously the time Lord, I don't think has been right this entire season. Got a late start with his initial injury or recovering, I should say from that initial injury and then been in and out of the lineup throughout the spring. So uh, I think the Celtics are in a fairly precarious position. Both teams really are, obviously, if if Embiid or Harden goes down. The the, the Sixers' hopes are toast, but I, I, again, I just don't think that margin between the Celtics and the Sixers is as wide as some people think. And I've seen maybe like one or two predictions of the Sixers getting out of this bottom half of the bracket and making it to the Eastern Finals. And I just think maybe that's where I'm going to be betting on Philly in that potential second round series where I think they'll they'll surely be dogs barring health for both teams. And, and so th- that brings up the point, like the two favorites right now over at Circa to win the title are the Bucks and the Celtics at plus 320 and plus 335 respectively. That's a massive drop off to the Sixers at 13 to one then. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, that's where the value lies in these Eastern conference contenders because look, I, I love the Cavaliers and I hope we get to talk about that series here in a minute. I think they're still a year away from really making that, that push. Um, And, and this may be a silly comparison, but I'm going to make it anyways. I'll inject my little bit of homerism here at the end of the Spurs run, uh, you know, in the 2013, 2014 runs to, to play Miami, uh, they they faced off against the Golden State Warriors in the second round of the Western Conference playoffs. Golden State pushed them, I believe, to seven. It might have been six in that series, but that was the first time that Golden State really came onto the scene. And as a fan of the team who was dominating the West for nearly two decades, uh, it was like, oh boy, like what 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 is going on here with Steph and Clay and you know. I think like Cleveland gives me vibes like that, where if they can keep this core group of four guys together, four guys who have been all-stars in the last two years, 
like their depth is not great, but I think they can figure that out a little bit more, kind of hone the rotation in this upcoming off season. So like Cavaliers, I don't think are really, and I know I've just completely diverted into Cavs talk now. Uh, I don't think it's this year for them. So while I do want to see what they can do against the Bucks, it's really just those top three, I think, in terms of realistic contenders to come out of the East. And like you mentioned, the value to me is clearly with Philly and the man who's going to win the MVP, even though I wouldn't give him my vote. I'm sorry, Philly fans. It's still Jokic for me. Embiid, very deserving and going to win this award. And so, like, for them to be that far apart from those other two that you mentioned, like, the value to me is clearly there. If James Harden stays healthy, like, a Harden-Embiid pairing can absolutely win the East. Yeah, and once you get there, like like you said, you're going to be facing just one of those teams from the gauntlet of the West, like probably the Suns or something. I, I agree. I think the the value screams Sixers to me, but let's move over to that Knicks-Cavaliers series because <laughs> – Oh, it's still weird seeing the Knicks in the postseason <laughs> period, even though it's the NBA and everybody gets in. But the Cavs are favorites here. And like you said, they've been a surprising team of the last couple of years now as they've slowly been building up the post-LeBron era. Yeah, man. And I think like, like I said, I don't think this is their year, but especially if Julius Randle is not right to start this series, the Knicks need at least 90% Julius Randle to have any hope against this Cavaliers team. And I'm not trying to discredit what Tibbs and the, you know, Tibbs rotation, which is like six and a half guys has done this year. Um, I just don't think they have enough firepower, even with Julius Randle to make it out of this series. The home court advantage at Madison square garden certainly helps. But again, with Julius Randle this week, I think the latest reporting today was that He's been doing some some uh, some good movement on the court, but not playing competitively yet on the court. Obviously, still four days until the first round begins, so he's got some time. But absent the news being Julius Randle is good to go for Saturday, um, I, I just don't see how they can keep up with the Cavs here. And I think if Cleveland can steal this first one or one of the two in New York to start this series, I don't see it going past six. And I even think they could take it down in the garden in that fifth game. And it's not like they really have to steal anything in that first game. They're five and a half point favorites. Yeah. Yeah. And so to me, like that probably leans into the idea that Julius Randle is either not going to be a hundred percent or maybe going to miss that first game as a whole. And like, I'm probably a little bit higher on somebody like Obi Toppin than your your average NBA diehard. I, I think he can actually do some good things if he ever breaks out of the Tibbs, uh, you know, non-rotation, I guess I could call it. Um, but he doesn't have enough, and the rest of this team doesn't have enough. I Look, I love Josh Hart. I love Jalen Brunson. I'm a Mitch Robinson fan. I'm an Isaiah Hartenstein fan. But you're going up against Donovan Mitchell, who I think there's an argument. I have him on that second team, but I think there's an argument he could be a first-team All-NBA guy this year. He's been fantastic. Obviously, Darius Garland just kind of fading into the background as a guy who was an All-Star last year and has been great this year. And then, I mean, the new version of the Twin Towers and maybe the best defensive tandem we've seen this century in terms of a four and a five playing together, certainly since, like, the game changed right in the early 2010s. We're going a lot smaller. We're shooting so many more threes, the analytics revolution in the game of basketball. Like 
playing two bigs. And they started doing this last year, and they were even bigger when Laurie Markkinen was playing at the three. Like, the Cavs have kind of led this this new era, right, where we're able to play multiple bigs and get away with it. And I just don't think the Knicks can match up. They're going to make it a knockdown, drag out grind of a series, no matter how many games it is. Um, I just don't see them getting the result. I I have a hard time ever backing the Knicks to do anything good because <laughs> they, 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 they are one in a long line of cursed New York sports franchises. But We've made it 20 epi- twenty minutes or so into this pod without talking about this one team that really everybody always wants to talk about. They played a night against the Timberwolves who have been making the news for all the wrong reasons lately. Yeah. Um, the Lakers, eight-point favorites in this game. Uh, obviously, by the time this pod goes up, that game will be eh, just about getting ready to tip off, but assuming a win for Los Angeles here, the team is 14 to one to win it all. And you know, you, you can never count out, even if they're coming in through the play in game, it's tough to count out LeBron James, even at this stage. Right. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, you can't count them out, but I I think I'm gonna, <laughs> it's just, look, they're going to win tonight. Mm-hmm. I have never seen a team self-destruct like the Minnesota Timberwolves did on Sunday with Rudy Gobert punching Kyle Anderson in the huddle uh, and then Jaden McDaniels punching a wall and breaking his hand. Like, And, and Jaden McDaniels is the, the – they are going to miss him a lot more tonight against the Lakers than they, than they would or than they will with Rudy Gobert. I actually think that the Timberwolves offense is going to be a lot more free-flowing with Gobert not clogging up the paint for Anthony Edwards and having Carl Anthony Towns be able to stretch the floor and open things up. But defensively, I don't think they have enough. And obviously the Lakers, which is what you asked about me, you know, I've had a habit of this, just going to talk about the <laughs> other team. Um, look, man, I, I understand that their record has been fantastic. I think it's actually best in the league since the all-star break for the Lakers. And they did a lot of that without LeBron James, but you know, you mentioned not counting out LeBron. He is not, healthy with that foot he's playing on it but all the doctors they consulted except for one who apparently is the lebron james of feet said you need to get surgery so like lebron i don't think has gone more than six weeks without missing games for injury or rest over the last two seasons um and so to say that him and then anthony davis who like is maybe the most memeable player for getting injured um, certainly mid game, right? Like all the, the, the DFS players, you know, dread that with Anthony Davis to say that those guys are going to be able to stay healthy all the way until June. I just don't buy it, especially with some of the teams they're going to have to go through. Now winning tonight goes a long way. Being in the bottom half of that bracket paired with the Kings and the Warriors and the Grizzlies, all of those other three teams struggling with, with, various issues the Kings just not being able to play on one side of the ball the Warriors with Andrew Wiggins and their road struggles throughout the year and then the Grizzlies who are on their last legs in the front court um they the Lakers are going to win tonight against against this Timberwolves team but if they don't then I don't think they make it out of the first round because I know a lot of a lot of Lakers fans are delusional as are a lot of fans, but the Lakers are just, they're one of the most popular teams and they have LeBron James who has his own following wherever well, he goes. Of course they're delusional fans. They're also Cowboys fans and Yankee fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, and, and you know, LAFC fans. Um, look, man, I, 
people are disrespecting the Nuggets, and I'm sure we'll get there, uh, even though they don't have their matchup yet. <laughs> the Nuggets are still really, really good. And the disrespect to this team, who was 48-34 and 34 last year without Jamal Murray and without MPJ, and Jokic just carrying them, I know they fell off at the end of the year. But if the Lakers lose tonight and then end up getting in that eight seed, I just, I don't see them beating the Nuggets. Because if you go up against, with this Lakers roster, you go up against a team that's any good and has a coach that's worth anything, you're going to be able to scheme out some of these Lakers players that they acquired at the deadline. How do you play Jared Vanderbilt in a playoff series? This is something that I'm really interested to watch because the man cannot shoot and neither can LeBron James and neither can Anthony Davis at the rate that you need to succeed in a playoff series against a team that's as offensively potent as the Denver Nuggets. And so again, I really think that tonight they lucked out with Minnesota self-destructing on Sunday because if Minnesota was full strength, it would be a tougher game. And if they drop this game, not only are you then in a, a winner go home scenario, which anything can happen in one game, uh, but then you're getting up into that side of the bracket where you're matched up with Denver. And then, okay, look, if you, I'll, I'll give it to you. You guys, purple and gold fans, LeBron fans, you beat Denver. But then you get the Clippers or the Suns, and you couldn't beat the Clippers last week. And and I just don't think you can beat the Suns with the team that you have. Uh, Austin Reeves is a is a very fine player. He's going to get overpaid pretty soon. Um, he shoots at a, a, a above average rate from three, but his volume is not there. D'Angelo Russell is the best shooter that gets like legitimate minutes on this team. And unless you're going to run Malik Beasley out there, who seems to have had the yips all season, whether it was in Utah or here in L.A., he hasn't been in the rotation lately. He's been playing like 12, 14 minutes a game. I just don't think the other pieces they brought in, while they clearly improved this Lakers team, I just don't think those pieces are enough to compete with teams like the Suns, the Nuggets, or even the Warriors if they're full strength. Like I don't think I can pick the Lakers against the Warriors in that potential second round matchup. So, And Thomas, maybe it's because I have too many LeBron fans in my life. I'm in a group chat with some of my good buddies, and we're all posting brackets just for pride, right? Three of the five brackets posted so far have the Lakers in the championship and winning the whole thing. It's I, Maybe I'm just trying to go against the grain of all this Lakers indoctrination that's been thrown in my face over the last three days. I, I just can't get with it. They would be the first seven seed to ever win the finals. I believe six is the lowest seed that ever did it. And they have to play in this play-in game. I don't care who's who is on the other side of the ball. It would be the longest, toughest road that any team has ever taken. And as good as they've been, I don't see this Lakers team being the one that sets the new standard for, oh, a seven seed can make the, the championship and, and win the whole thing. And that's the other factor about how the NBA playoffs are built versus how NFL or any other league works. Yeah. Yeah, Old MLS. Yeah. Hockey (laughs) gets really, hockey gets really weird because the, yes, you have a seven game series, but hockey is also the king of variants. Yeah. Basketball, the seven game series. It is very hard for some of these teams. It's hard to get hot and make a run. Yeah. The best team is usually going to be the team that's going to come out of a best of seven in the NBA. And I have a hard time picking the Lakers over a lot of these teams, especially the Nuggets, who, again, as the one seed in the West, we're just bringing up now 30 minutes into the show. That's how much there's been to talk about about other teams. But they were certainly the hot commodity at the midway point of the season. They're now 925 to win uh, to win it all at Circa. What is it with this Nuggets team? Are they going to be able to do it or have they did they peak too early this year? See, I don't think they peaked too early as much as it was they 
beat the Grizzlies in one of the games like earlier this spring, and they opened up such a lead on the rest of the conference that they kind of were able to just coast into the finish line. And does that come back to bite them? Maybe. I think the Lakers are the only team that they don't want to see out of this play-in group because we know that Zion's not coming back. The Thunder, even if they make it to that eight spot, if they're not it. And, and I'm not worried about the Timberwolves if I'm the Denver Nuggets or if I'm a Denver Nuggets fan. Obviously, the Nuggets have to take them seriously. <laughs> but man, I think like that to me in the West, the Nuggets is where the value is now because you are going to have the best player in every series, at least until you get to the to the finals. And I, of course, there's an argument if they see the Suns in the second round, they've got KD and you might, you're either going to see Steph or maybe LeBron or whoever in a potential Western Conference finals round. But Nikola Jokic has been carrying this team for so many years now that I think we just write it off. This man took this team already to the Western Conference finals before with a with a worse team. He carried this team to the playoffs last year by himself. And now that this team seemingly healthy coming into the playoffs, like we know what a pressure cooker Jamal Murray is on the offensive end of the floor. We know they've got better on defense with the acquisition of Contavious Caldwell Pope, who is just an iron man for this team this year. Aaron Gordon is thriving on this Denver roster. Like he is in the perfect spot for him. So to me, maybe the X factor here is Michael Porter Jr. And I'm not super high on him as a player compared to what I think that the general discussion around this guy is he's a glorified three and D player without the defense. But if he gets going on offense and finds his rhythm in any one of these series, like if he gets going, you can't beat this Denver team. And so I really think that like, if I'm placing a bet right now on one of these Western conference contenders, it is Denver because they earned whether they you feel like they backed their way into this one seed or not. They opened up that gap on the rest of the conference for a reason. And I don't think that all of a sudden they forgot how to play basketball. Um, so Denver would be my pick if I'm throwing, you know, if I'm looking at the odds and looking for value. So I think your your Western Conference contenders right now who I'm not shocked to see come out of the conference finals, Denver, Phoenix. I don't think I can include the Clippers unless Paul George comes back. And again, I don't think they're, even then, I don't think they're going to beat this Phoenix team with Kevin Durant. Warriors, Lakers, because I, I think Memphis now, to me, I would be shocked if they made it out of the West because I think you need that size of Steven Adams. You need that depth from Brandon Clark. Like Santi Aldama, I think is going to be a fine rotation player in this league. He's not the, he's not enough, I don't think. And, and, it sucks because I, I I like that Memphis team, but they've just gone through so much. We haven't even brought up John Morant's issues over the last two months. And I know he's back now, but good God, man. Like I, I don't, I don't see them getting over the hump of all those other teams I just mentioned. So I think it's Lakers, Warriors, Nuggets, and Suns for me, obviously not in that order. Yeah. It's going to be, I was about to bring up the Grizzlies as that other team that I'm really not, focused on at all here because like you said no steven adams that is going to be a very big deal for them and quite frankly like you said what do they really have going for them at this point they've been a, they've, they've been the second biggest train wreck behind the timberwolves for the back half of this season and for the last mm -hmm. several months here i have no faith in that team and does that make you think because obviously we won't have a serious price until we know who they're playing could they be a candidate to be eliminated by a playing team Absolutely, especially if it is what we think is going to happen and the Lakers are right there. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is great. 
Despite this late push for Evan Mobley to be Defensive Player of the Year and Brooke Lopez's absolutely viable candidacy, Jaron Jackson Jr. would be my vote still for Defensive Player of the Year. I can't hold it against him that he came into the season recovering from an injury. Once he got healthy, which by the way, he basically, they gave him a pretty wide window in terms of a return date. He hit like basically the first day they said he could come back. Potentially he was there. He only missed four games the rest of the season. One of those was for rest on Sunday when they didn't need to play anybody. So like he has been plenty available and productive on both ends of the floor. And obviously defensively, like a lot has been made about his blocks this season. Uh, And, you know, we don't have to dive into that conspiracy theory, but there's only so much he can do against Anthony Davis. If Anthony Davis is playing the way he is, Anthony Davis has been, I think when he's been healthy this season, a no doubt top 10 player in the league. And You've got two of those guys because LeBron has been great as well as he always is when he's healthy. So the fact that you have the two best players in the in, in the league, the two best players, a lot of my Lakers fans, friends would say that, the two best uh, players in this series are on the Lakers side if this is the matchup we get. And I just, I'm taking the Lakers in that first round series. And, and I think for Memphis, the best thing that can possibly happen to them now is an upset by the Timberwolves tonight. Then I'll revisit my stance potentially there. But even then, now you're dealing with Cat and Gobert and Anthony Edwards. And, and as much as I love the defensive tenacity of Dylan Brooks, although he did take a hit for me uh, when he did that little nut punch in the middle of the season. I'm I'm very against that, Thomas. Uh, you know, Desmond Bain is great. Uh, John Morant on the court is great. I just don't think they have enough with, with those injuries. I don't think they have enough to take down that Lakers team just because of the two Hall of Famers that are on the other side. All right. We're already uh, we're already certainly stretching it here, but I do want to ask you about these other play in teams for just a little bit because you got the Hawks, you got the Heat. And then we we kind of touched on the Thunder already, but the Bulls and the Raptors are the are the other game there other than the Thunder Pelicans. Are the Heat the only team that you're really looking at to make some noise here? Can the Raptors do anything? Is there anyone you like out of these plans? Look, I'm not going to say that these teams come in and push any of these. Uh, like, I've got Heat winning tonight. Obviously, we already got covered. I have Lakers winning tonight. I have the Raptors making it to the eight, beating both the Bulls and the Hawks in the two games that they would have to win. Um I'm a fan of what the Raptors, what Masai Ujiri has been building and retooling over the last six or seven years. Like, I think he's one of the best GMs in the league. The fact that they can run these lineups with like five, six, nine and above guys and just be interchangeable on defense and still maintain some semblance of outside shooting on the offensive end. Clearly, the season did not go as they expected. I mean, they had a pretty hot start. Um, and maybe I was affected by watching them beat down my Spurs by 40 in person back in November, but they've kind of turned it back around here and not obviously able to get up into the top six, but their defense has been improving over the last month. You know, they've been figuring some things out with guys in and out of the lineup. And now that they've got Gary Trent back now playing a six man role, like that depth trading for Jakob Pertl, I think was a fantastic move, not just for this season, but for the future of this team. 
Precious Achua was not it. Christian Coloco could be a starting center down the road, but he is far from ready to play a big role on a good team. And so the fact that they brought in Jakob Pertl, they've got even more versatility with their size and their style of play. I think they can come out of this play-in. And then for our fandom's sake, I think we want to see Miami get that two seed, them take on the Celtics. The Heat were a shot away from beating the Celtics and going to the finals last season. And then the Raptors with their versatility on defense and the, you know, the, the hot and cold nature of their offense, if they get going, they could take a game or two off Milwaukee in the first round. So I think for our, our, our viewership, uh, I want to see the Raptors get there. And I, I do think they make it and match up with the Bucks in the West. Um, I think the Timberwolves are, it's going to be really tough for them to recover from what happened. I think mentally the team's psyche has got to be at least a little bruised after Rudy Gobert, who they mortgaged the future for is punching Kyle Anderson in the, you know, and now they don't have Jaden McDaniels, who I think is an all defensive shout. Uh, and, and like, again, he's the bigger loss than Gobert in tonight's game. And Anthony Edwards has got to be wondering what the hell am I doing here? How am I going to sign an extension with a team that has no picks and is now stuck right now with Rudy Gobert, who does not work with not just our team, but I don't think Rudy Gobert fits in in a locker room around this league at this point. Um, I love the Thunder. They're at least a year away. I have my fingers crossed that they somehow don't move up in the lottery and get another top three player to add to this roster, which is already playoff caliber and going to get Chet Holmgren back next year, all this stuff. I'm not surprised if they make it to the eight, but I do think the Pelicans behind the hot, hot, white hot play of Brandon Ingram uh, are the ones that are going to make it to that eight seed and and unfortunately create a very easy road for Denver. And I think a kind of a snoozer playoff series, especially without Zion, of course. And, uh, and Jose Alvarado, who was our first round darling last year, even though they came up short. Well, that is certainly going to cover us as far as NBA goes here. I think we've now officially hit on every team. <laughs> I did not expect us to be here at the 40 minute mark of this show right now and still not have talked about any MLS, but you know what? Let's get in a tiny bit of it yes. before we get out of here, Zach, <laughs> because you are one of the only other people on the planet that I can talk to <laughs> about this league and about betting on it. Um, I, I had a brutal weekend over the weekend uh, as far as my bets, because I, I took I had multiple do- uh, plus money, fantastic dogs, two to one, three to one, four to one, and just absolute heartbreak. The earthquakes give up an equalizer in that 21 minutes of stoppage time due to the delays in that game. Uh, Atlanta gets a red card and then NYCFC comes back, ties that game up. But Columbus did come through for me at least. And we're starting to get point to the point in the MLS season where we're kind of identifying, okay, these teams are hot right now. These teams are going to be the sustainable good teams. And these teams, the teams that are being overvalued. Philadelphia Union are the first team that comes to mind for me when it comes to overvaluing teams right now. But at the end of the day, what we're looking for is these are the teams that play well on the road. And if you can find the teams that play well on the road, you're going to be able to find prices that are attractive to bet on them at. And those are the guys that you want to start firing on. And we're starting to get to that point. Who has been your favorite team so far? I mean, it's certainly not my my actual favorite team. Austin yeah. FC has been disgusting to watch. So I guess we can leave the Austin FC talk at the door. Um, I mean, I got to see St. Louis City announce their presence in week one against my boys. Uh, they have been extremely fun to watch. 
I do think they're coming back down to earth, though. Clearly, over the last two weeks, uh, uh, two their first two defeats at home and then on the road at Seattle. Um, this is actually uh, where I want to start in terms of potential week eight matchups where they're hosting FC Cincinnati, the current supporter shield leaders. And on DK right now, FC Cincinnati plus 165. I mean, that, first of all, their defense has been stellar, multiple one goal wins uh, for Cincinnati so far this year. Second year goalkeeper Roman Santano has been fantastic. Uh, Matt Miazga kind of anchoring that defense. And then the attack with Lucho and Brenner and Brandon Vasquez really hasn't even gotten going yet. But to be able to get them at plus 165 against the St. Louis team that I think, especially as we continue to get to the warmer summer months, I don't think that press is really going to hold up like it did over the first month and a half of the season. So I like Cincinnati overall, and especially this week. Um, and I guess one other shout I could have if we're looking for some of those road teams, um, I guess I'll, I'll throw you two. Essentially a home game, just going across town or going out to Carson, LAFC against Galaxy. Galaxy still without a win, um, just looking disjointed as hell so far this season. Obviously coming in with the the fan boycott and all that stuff, it's just not great for the Galaxy right now. So LAFC, who are just an absolute machine behind Denny Buanga, who is going to be CCL MVP. He's definitely leading for me in terms of MLS MVP just over the last couple of weeks, surpassed him in my MVP ladder over Almada. Um, And then the Seattle Sounders who look like they're just absolutely back after winning CCL last year. Joel Paolo goes out with the ACL and they kind of stumble to their first missed playoffs uh, in, in franchise history. Yeah, they are back on track, and they get Portland on the road this week, who is struggling, even though Evander is now back for them, which is going to help my best ball team, Thomas. Plus 135 for Seattle on the road at Providence Park. I, I don't hate that either. Yeah, I'm looking at plus 130 here in the LAFC game. It, Galaxy do look so disjointed, and LA looks every bit as much the juggernaut that they were last season again. Yeah. I, I agree with you completely on Cincinnati. This is a team that we liked a ton going into the playoffs last year. Not so much to win the league, but we've loved the turnaround that they've had from their start in this league. And I agree. St. Louis, I think the gravy train of being able to bet on them is coming to an end here. They definitely, I think, the as even though they cool off, they're still going to be interesting to watch. And I'm glad that they're not having first-year struggles so far. That You yeah. know they're going to come and... My hope now is that we'll be able to adjust and hit hit the other side on some of these games like Cincinnati this week. But the other team that I really do have to give a shout out to, and it's not just my homerism here as an Earthquakes fan. <laughs> as a matter of fact, as I move everything around, you can see the Wando. Uh, <laughs> you, you, Wando's on the bookshelf behind me there. This midfield looks night and day different. They've got a new coach this season in Lucci, who seems like the guy. And... Mm-hmm. Espin- Christian Espinosa has been such a great playmaker for this team that they've missed since the Wando heyday. Jeremy Obobasi up top with them has also been deadly. They lead the league in expected goal. The, this mm-hmm. offense is finally truly out there attacking, and it makes for a fun team to watch here. They've got sport in Kansas City this week. San Jose at home at plus 115. I'm kind of liking that because this team has always been pretty uh, pretty solid at home. How are they plus money against this sporting team? Like, look, I know that sporting has been underperforming their underlying numbers and they've got Johnny Russell back and Alan Polito is back in the mix. But like the way that San Jose is playing, like San Jose 
And maybe I'm just scorned because through what five meetings between our two favorite teams, Austin FC has yet to get three points against San Jose. But like even before this season, we know that San Jose can put up goals with anybody. And at any point of the match, they can come back. They can blow a lead. Like you get the full gamut of emotions as a San Jose Earthquakes fan. But the buy-in is there. Like you mentioned with Lucci at the helm, like that is the difference to me in watching this team. And I know you watch them every week. So you have, you're more in tune with them, but that is just the vibe I get rewatching some of the earthquakes matches or tuning it. You know, when I'm doing the spin around on MLS 360 on Saturday nights, like they just look like they're bought in and that goes a long way. Like, and now I'll close us out with some Austin FC talk. That is the opposite of what Austin is dealing with right now. They had, all the good vibes last year in the locker room, on the field, in the stands. And it feels like maybe not to the extent Austin did last year being second in the West, but San Jose certainly looking like they're ready to make a run and secure a playoff spot this year. Yeah, I'm excited. I I have to root around in my futures drawer and find my San Jose tickets because I know I took at least one. I just can't (laughs) figure out where it, which app it's on right now. So I've got to, I've got to go back and make sure that I have some pricing on that because I'll pick some of them up just for the fun of it. But my, my Toronto future pick is not looking great at the moment. They, uh, (sighs) they need Insignia back big time. Yeah, and so does my best ball team. I took him in, a, in in our second round of our just some Austin FC podcast. We got together, did a best ball league, and uh, yeah, we took Ricky Pooch in the first round. No goal contributions yet. I think, may, or maybe one assist in there, but still. And Insigne hasn't played yet. So uh, the fact that we're staying above water in that league, and, and obviously not winning, but still within striking distance. Hopefully, we're getting getting Insigne back here soon. Yeah, we will have to see. By the way. As much as I want to fade Philly here, the what I'll what I'll end on, they're plus one fifty on the yep. road versus Chicago Fire, and Chicago. <laughs> I have to do team, it one more week. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still here to fade Chicago. It's going to end in a draw, and I'm going to be upset with myself. But I'm going to have to take that price on the road. Yeah. All right, Zach. We have. I can't believe we're going up. We're almost hitting an hour here on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure having you back on, my friend. We got to do this plenty more over the summer. But in the meantime, where can people find you in the fantastic work you're doing? Hey, man, uh, FTN <laughs> Daily uh, doing, you know, season long fantasy content, mostly on the basketball side of things, on the DFS side, NBA streams, uh, FTN NBA podcast with my pal Adam Pfeiffer. Um, you know, I do best ball content, uh, underdog, all that stuff for NBA, had four entries in, make it into the final there in the small ball, unfortunately. They all had Jokic. He didn't play throughout the final week. So it didn't end up great. But, uh, you know, I, I love that best ball type of content. So I'm over at FTN Daily. You can find me on Twitter at Eisenberg DFS. Uh, and then if you want more MLS talk and, and mostly Austin FC talk, the, the North End podcast at the North End pod on Twitter, having a lot of fun with that as well. Highly recommend you guys check that out and head on over to FTN and check out all the awesome stuff over there. Truly a great website, full of great tools and stuff that you guys have been working on. Um, Lord knows you you don't need me to espouse that anymore, but seriously, fantastic work that everyone over at the FTN crew does. And of course, as always, you can check us out at Unabated Sports on Twitter and Instagram. 
Head on over to unabated.com today. Get yourself signed up for a week trial if you aren't already a member, if you aren't already checking out all the awesome tools. Baseball season is in full swing now. We've got MLB player prop tools that are going to be coming out within the next week or two. Fingers crossed here. That's not an official announcement, but there is going to be plenty to get us through the long, hot summer. And hopefully, Zach, a little more MLS content too. But for now, best of luck to everyone on the NBA playoffs. We'll be back here next week talking NFL draft with another great special guest. It is the season, my friend. The NFL never stops. That's going to do it for us here. We'll see you next episode. Let's cash some tickets.